Welcome to another episode of Teachers in the Dungeon. Join hosts Tom and Dan as they break down the campaigns they create and play, sharing memorable successes and unforgettable failures of players and the DM, as well as discussing a variety of D&D-related topics. So, grab your dice and grab some fun. It's time for Teachers in the Dungeon. Yo, oh, oh, it's time to go Back to the dungeon far below Players arrive in time to die Man, I love to watch them cry Grab some dice, grab some fun Join the teachers in the dungeon Hello and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I am Tom Gross with Dan Ream, and hello, we hello. are yeah, hello, hello, <laughs> and we are the Teachers in the Dungeon. So, Dan, the adventure continues. It does. We left them on a on a mysterious, not exactly cliffhanger, but yeah, but we have an identity to be revealed. Whom did they rescue? Barely had the group departed from Gensh when fate drew them back into conflict. Threading the needle between the narrow infested waters and the haunted of all souls sea, the tiefling's jacks rescued a castaway. Is such a thing good luck or bad? I never can remember. Absolutely. Uh, the marrow were uh, quite a challenge last week, if you didn't catch that. Jump back an episode and uh, join us for the downtime that we had on the ship. But as if you were with us, you knew that we had a, a quite a frustrating battle with the marrow. Um, but we succeeded and we rescued this um, person, this individual, on in on these this little rocky island. Did you have a description of him, or did I you? do? Okay. I do. So it is a um, who we rescued had uh, this black curly hair. Um, vibrant green eyes, very striking um, in appearance when we get to finally speak with this person. And we we learn that this individual got to where he is because he left the um, the, the country, the, the country of Slint, the land yes. of Slint, weeks ago from when we met him. And he was caught in a storm and then ambushed by these marrow. And we learned that his name is Connor. Connor Alorcan. Connor Alorcan. Yes. Connor Alorcan. I, my best Irish accent. Excellent. Is not that good. Excellent. But. We learned that he was heading to, you'll have to help me with the name. I want to say Kenshaw, Kenshan, but that's not it. Oh, Senshan. Senshan. Which is okay. the continent you're on, actually. Okay. Very good. So he, he kind of made it. Yeah. <laughs> Almost to a rocky island just outside of it. That's right. Um, that's, so we meet this, this individual and we bring him to the ship. And yes, and he is a pretty skilled sailor. He seems very, again, you, I think you trust him pretty immediately because he tells you, I, I, knew, I didn't want you to rescue me. I knew that they were lying in wait for you, but thank you. Right. And he pitches in right away and is very, uh, very helpful around the, the ship. Seems to know what he's doing. Um, and actually, Bor, I've noted that Borum introduces Connor to Tumas, who uh, to join to actually join the crew, um, which I think is interesting. And I think the reason I took note of that is it's a little out of Borum's character to do stuff like that. Yes. But I think he felt like Borum felt like, hey, I rescued this guy. He seems pretty friendly. He seems very you know willing to help out. So 
Worm takes charge and uh, introduces him and, and gets him involved in the crew. And so far, at least since Biratel, NPCs that have come across your path mm-hmm. like this have generally been somewhat trustworthy. Yes. Alanx was, Marley was. Right. The crew that Alanx picks, for the most part, seems pretty mm-hmm. on the up and up. So it made sense. That so apparently we learned from that bard we met way back when, <laughs> in episode one or two, where yes. Worm turned him away. So Worm's trying to, trying to turn over a leaf and meet new people and be friendly. <laughs> um, but we we talk about the village of Lanifer. Lanif- Lanifer. Lanifer. Yes. And I note that Shamed, who's part of the crew, thinks that uh, this is a funny name for a town because it's the language from where he is from. Is there more to that? Yes. This. Well, this again is, and, and Connor would have noticed it too. I, oh, I'm using right. kind of a Celtic... Right. I, I, so Slint is sort of a Celtic island. There's Irish names, and then I added a little bit of, a tiny bit I know of, of Welsh place names. So I'm sure I irritated everyone mightily because it's <laughs> Lanifer is spelled L-L-A-N and then O-F-F-O-R. And so the double L in Welsh is actually, to, to get very linguistically technical, it's aspirated. So it's Lanifer. Oh, so you can say an H and an L together, Hlanifer. And I've gotten better over the years at not being so annoying about little things like that. But I think I corrected Marcus <laughs> once or twice, and I thought, he's going to hate me. Just let him say it how he wants to say it. It doesn't matter. Oh, my goodness. I love it. So, um, yeah, so they noticed. So this cued you in. You are you are cro- completely across the All Souls Sea from mm-hmm. Slint. Right. But here's a the name of a village that sounds like it could have been from Slate. Okay, very good. But so we we, we sail over to Lanifer, and I appreciate the, uh, not only is this a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, but it is a, a podcast on dialects of the world, <laughs> um, which, which is cool. I, I love that. It adds that flavor to uh, your homebrew. Um, so we, we sail on to Lanifer, and when we get there, Alinx, Tumas, Kiri uh, all stay on the ship while the rest of us, crew included, go into Lanifer. And I'm not sure if you wrote this down, because it wouldn't have been necessarily significant, except that it will add to the the layers, that it's, it's mostly a human population, but there are half-elves scattered in the population. Yes, I actually did have that okay. uh, noted. Um, and I, did, I wasn't sure if that tied into, because when we were talking about um, where... Shamed and Connor are from uh, on the southern end of, of uh, Slight. I had a note here that that's, one of them mentioned that that's where the elves had disappeared from. Yes. So I was trying to make, I as the player, I don't know that Bor, well, Bor might have caught on to this a little bit, but that Lonifer, named after or a name from Slight, would not have an elf in it, or at least not. Uh, uh, prominent, and that you noted that most of them are human. There are some half elves here, so I wondered if there was any connection to that uh, between the two, um, and maybe that's something that you can't really share at this point. Um, right at this point, it does seem, you know, you know, you know, elves disappeared. Mm-hmm. You have now a continent away, the name of a town that sounds like where they disappeared from, and there's some elven blood here. Right. So. It would suggest that 
maybe they came here. Right, and and also to note here is there, you described that there was a promontory that looks intimidating, but that's in pretty severe decay. And noted also was that the promontory appeared to be elvish in build. Right, there was a there was a like a guard tower yes. on on this promontory that was okay. yes. And then um, and then we also it didn't take long for us to figure out as we entered town that it's not especially a very friendly feel. No. environment of fear, numbness to the people, um, and anything that we found there would be pretty, that's what we would get. You know, you get what you get. And so there's food and water available, period. Yes. <laughs> that's kind of how it was. Did they tell you about, I thought they told you about the monks. Hmm. That was when, well, so we went into a tavern there. Yes. Um, and it was Nedrick that we met. Who is the tavern owner, or at least manager of the tavern? And I think it was there that he started telling us about the monks yes. that make good beer. Yes. Which also went back to a story that uh, Ailings had told Born that hey, where we're headed, there's going to be some pretty good beer. And then I had a note that Rick's talked to a tavern patron. Um, about the, the there's a fortress nearby. Now I don't know if did you, was there more you wanted to say about that at this point. That there was a fortress and there's a quiet group of monks that have taken up residence there and turned it to a monastery. Okay. And that they seem to be fine there, but there were sort of ancient stories of evil. Okay. In that place. Right. And so we discovered that this there there is a fortress nearby in decay. went, and Borm's like, well, I'll go, and I think Derishley went. Did anyone, do you recall if anyone else went? I don't know if Kersus went or not. I kind of think not. Okay, and Derishley definitely, he wanted to. Yeah. And so we went there, and I don't I don't have any notes about it, other than I think it was just sort of a observation that it was there. I know Derishley and Borm sort of bickered about quality of build. And well, yes, this was just to confirm that this is elvish construction. Right. You start to see every <laughs> every time something really bad happens to you, it's in an area where elves are involved somehow. Hmm. Huh. Even to this day, I was that never really occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess Borm always thinks bad things happen when elves are around, so he didn't uh, take special note. But what is worthy of special note is um, is that we did learn. That uh, there is, there is um, that, that that individual in the tavern did give us a heads up that there is a death cult um, in the area, and so we were trying to be wary of that when we went to the fortress. But then on the way back from the fortress, we met a leader of the death cult by the name of Brother Angus. Member, he was he was a monk, just oh. a simple. Okay. And and I don't mean monk as in class. I just mean. In the traditional of practice, yes, belongs to a monastery. He's very quiet and pale and polite and helpful, and he's bringing a wagon along with him. He is, um, because he is a maker of beers and bread and bread and bread. That's right. Yes, and he's taking that to um, to the tavern that we had come from. I don't know that I I never wrote down a name for that tavern. Um, 
but I did get that Nedrick is the leader. And then the waitress is Moira? Yes. Okay. And that's his daughter. That's Nedrick's daughter. Nedrick's daughter, daughter right. And so Brother Angus was was heading toward uh, that tavern to take the bread and the beer f- to Moira. To purchase. Uh, to yes. purchase. Um, and, and I think something that really struck me, anyway, um, was that learning that he is part of the death cult, he was very, I don't know if I'd go so far to say gracious, but he, he definitely wasn't threatening. I mean, I hear death cult, and I think, you know, lots of darkness and blades and demons and whatnot. And he was very pleasant to speak to. Almost to the point where it was, it seemed suspicious, but nothing yes. that he did led us to any suspicion, at least to this point. And even to the to the extent of looking out for Moira a little bit, mm, she true. is very haggard. Her father is a drunk. She's trying to keep this little tavern going, and he tells you he always saves the best bread to sell to her. Right. For, I do remember that. For her patrons and... Right. So we escort Brother Brother Angus back to the tavern and confirm everything that he had said. And we decide to stay the night at the tavern. Um, I wanted to note uh, here that Ricks had started referring to all of us by our ocean or seafaring names. Yes. And uh, of course, <laughs> the group the group has taken on the the name the Tieflings Jacks. That was yes. That was Ricks's. That was Chris's invention that Ricks would start calling us his his group. Right. And we just kind of went with it. I mean, for a while there, we, we kind of had other names that we'd just throw out. He would say, what were the Tieflings Jacks? And I can't remember the other names that each one of us had something else, but it never stuck. And no. so Tieflings Jacks won out. And so Chris had started referring to us by um, our, again, it's a, I don't think it's pirate names. It's It's just... Our ship names, so maybe his pirate names, but here they are. So he, of course, uh, refers to himself as, um, well, I guess Captain Ricks. But then Borm was excited to know that he was Jack of Sparrows. I don't recall what that means, if anything. But then um, Kersus was uh, Calico Jack, <laughs> and Zedai was Jack Tar, and uh, Siv was Jack Black, and Durishle was Jack of Coin. Did we have... Okay, so I have to ask, and next time we have uh, Chris or Ricks on, or maybe maybe on our social media, um, Ricks can answer this. Uh, what do all those mean? Or maybe that's yet to be discovered. Yes, I think that's worth asking him if he'll... But he may not tell. He's, okay. he's a little inscrutable. All right, well, t- uh, post into our uh, social media and see what Rick says uh, on Twitter or on Instagram. But, uh, but so we stayed the night at the tavern, and the next morning, Jerishle went out in front of everybody. He Yes, and, and in the meantime, you do get a little more information about the death cult oh, okay. from Angus, but maybe this is a good time for... Oh, this is an excellent time to take a little break. <laughs> so you'll have to wait and learn about death. That's After right. Come back. We won't have to wait too long, but uh, we will take a break. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Thanks for hanging out with us today on Teachers Death. of the Dungeon. <laughs> yes, as Dan uh, pointed out, our topic now is going to be 
death. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the death cult. Well, this is, again, I, I wanted you to be freaked out. And, I, and it worked out well that you, you questioned him. You wanted to know about it. And he was very forthright. And he says that uh, they worship the many gods of death. There are many faces, but it's the same concept. And he says, oh, yes, death can be frightening, but it can also be comforting. It can be inscrutable. It can be merciful. So the monks just try to understand it in all of its facets. And I don't know if that placated you, but then Connor says something a little off kilter. He does. Um, Connor says in regards to death or death I, gods, I, death gods, he mentions Orcus. And Angus uh, recoils slightly and says something along the lines of, that is not a god of death. He is a demon. Um, and brother Angus does not worship demons. I expected you folks to be a little more suspicious of Connor mm -hmm. when he said that. But I don't know that you were. We weren't. Um, it, and, and well, and to note that Connor was on the ship, but he joined us at the tavern that next morning. And so he did take part in this conversation. He was very curious to see. I think he wanted, well, he wanted to, he was really, really excited about the Elvish ruins. Yes. And, and you do find out, I think, by this point that the, the monastery that used to be a fortress is called Llanestwith. So it is it is the place that you'd heard of that you were trying to get to. Mm -hmm. okay. So Connor wants to see if it's elvish. So, But again, it was a little strange. And he didn't ask in an excited manner. He was very neutral when right. he asked, do you worship Orcus? Yes. And Hindsight? Uh, <laughs> like, that should have rang a bell for us, but I don't... I don't think it did, at least for me and Borum, it did not. But but some other name, you know, some other, there's more conversation because Siv also mentions the Death Smith. The Dead Smith. The de okay, yes, the Dead Smith. <clears throat> and that was a phrase from the prophet, the prophesying song that you heard way back in Biratel. Okay, okay. Yeah, so the South more. Coast, the Dead Smith. Right. So you are heading, you are on the south coast of the continent of Sunshine. Yes. And Brother Angus also mentions that they chose this out-of-the-way remote location for the death cult to be because people just aren't comfortable with death. Yes. And then at that point, he invites us to join him on uh, a trip to the monastery. Yes. And... So you do go through, and this wouldn't have, sorry, another linguistic nerding out, but the forest you go through is called the Teshoa Nunas. And Tesho is the word I invented for forest in the language of that other island, Slight. Okay. So you've got yet another hint that people from that island once lived in this area. And so um, it's a very dark, shadowy pine forest, and you suddenly realize after you've traveled through there that all the animal sounds have stopped. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and I believe it was Borum who uh, noted that. Um, yes. Of course, he should, or Drishley may, as well as the ranger, but Borum is the druid. And it was at that point that we were accosted by um, two bodaks. Yes. So undead, undead creatures. Yes. Horrifying. Horrifying. They they pack a punch. They 
if they get a look at you, they can do some pretty serious mm-hmm. damage. I think you handled them okay. I don't think anybody... We did. It wasn't... I mean, it, actually, I think we were more nervous about it than than we actually had to be. Because, um, yeah, we... I want to say we took care of them fairly easily, but still, they... They just didn't. It didn't. It wasn't a comfortable. I'm trying to remember what they're. What, what's dangerous about a bodak? I don't remember now. If they they can, like just being around them can suck hit points out of you. Okay. Yeah. So it's their aura. That and is. they can if they if they look at you, they can impose a I forget if it's a con save or whatever and drop you very quickly. Okay. But you had a cleric with you, uh, Brother Angus. Yep. Was able to help out a little bit. And he seemed very disturbed by this. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, and we, and we, I'd actually wondered at some point: is are the Bodaks somehow? Of course, being super suspicious, are the Bodaks somehow involved with the cult of death? But then when he showed that uh, concern, that that didn't set, it, I don't want to say it didn't set well with him, but it didn't it didn't make sense. Yes, because again, to him. These are undead. That's not death. Right. That's an abomination. Yes. So he would hate that. So you do get past that, and you do. do you do come to Lannist with, mm-hmm. and I think this was one of the first, well, it wasn't one of the first times, but I, I upped my game a little bit and built some terrain that was a, I, I was a little more careful with constructing a, a, a gate that looked a little more yeah. elvish and things like that. That was you cool. Came in. I, I'm, and so you came in, do you remember what, do you have notes as far as what you saw in the courtyard? Um, so I have, yes. Well, first thing is that Derishle and Borum noted that the architecture was similar to the Oak Sides um, yes. castle in Beertel. So that was the first thing. But then there were, there were several things in the courtyard. And so you'll have to help me with some of it because my, I've got notes, but they're a little sketchy. <laughs> so there was a blue huntress on a pedestal that we learned avenges the death of children. Our Aranya? Aranya? Yes. Okay, and then... Aranya. Aranya. And then what uh, caught Borum's eye was, is it Pelag, the dwarven god of the underworld, mm-hmm. was in there. And then there was a pedestal to the god of dread, um, Nerukul? Nerukul. 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 <laughs> it's so much better when you say the names than when I do. Um, but we also noted that uh, in this, that it's it was not by any means an empty courtyard. Is monks were coming and going pretty freely. Mm-hmm. You know, no, nothing seemed especially threatening at this point. Although, yeah, I I think out here in the courtyard, it all seemed uh, pretty normal, and. Except for when um, a human woman named, is it Erin? That seems too simple. Erin, I think it's Erenia. Erenia, okay. Came out, who showed interest in uh, Borm's axe, but she had a crow on her shoulder. Yes. And that crow instantly attacked Connor. Yes. And I don't remember what we did, or she called it off or something, but it attacked Connor. And obviously, I, I noted it, so it must we must have noted some important to it, but it didn't really at the time sink in why that would be. No, I I was I was trying to give you at least a f- fighting chance of figuring something out about him, mm-hmm. but 
So I just threw little tidbits like that. So this is, she worships Morrigan, who is a, a goddess of battle and death. And that, that also would have come from that island of Slight where Connor was from. Okay. So maybe that's the connection you made is maybe he, maybe he blasphemed the goddess or something. Right. Um, or, or something like that. Okay. Because she also, that, that woman is a little, that young woman is kind of interrogates Borum a little bit. Yes. I, I don't have any notes on that, but I remember he, her. I remember she her. asked about... She, oh, she asks if he if he killed something honorably or something like that. Does that sound right? Yes, she was very interested in his battle axe, wanted to know mm-hmm. if he'd killed, killed anybody and how it happened and seemed very interested in that. Yes, I do remember that. Um, and I think whatever Borm's answer was was satisfactory to her. Yes. And then, and then we get to meet the leader of yes. the death cult at this point. Kerdic. Yes. Kerdic. Who's a high elf. Yes, a high elf. Um, and uh, why don't I give a description of Kerdic, and then we will wrap up the show and uh, and go into that conversation and where that went. Because Kerdic came out uh, very pale. And one thing that we noted was he had uh, shimmering black hair. And then he also has a scar that goes from his left eye down to his, or I guess rather, my note says up to his neck. (laughs) So I I wrote things a little back. But he says, he says, welcome to the house of all deaths. And uh, and I think that seems like, unless you've got something to The one other thing, the scar weeps blood. Oh, why didn't I write that down? <laughs> okay, so so he comes out and uh, we have someone to talk to, but I think this seems like a good place to uh, to stop the episode and give you something to ponder while you uh, wait for the next episode. And I want to say at this point, thank you so much for joining us on Teachers in the Dungeon. Yes. Join us on social media. Yeah, if between- you're bored, got a few minutes. Yes. Send us your theories. What do you think? Uh, what do you th- what do you make of all this? What's going to happen? Who's Connor? Who's Kerdick? Is this cult on the up and up? I was just going to say that was our big thing. Is what what is this cult all about? It just cult of death just doesn't feel well. Although Brother Angus gave us some really valid thoughts on like what they you know they don't worship the like death of people, but they worship the death that happens naturally. And so it's a part of life. Yeah. A part of life. We were a little questioning at this point, but they've given us no reason to be suspicious of them uh, up to this point. So yeah, let us know what you think. What are your uh, thoughts? Have you ever fought a Bodak? Let us know how that went and uh, ways that you fought the Bodak, but yeah, join us on Twitter, join us on Instagram, check out Dan's, Dan mentioned today, his, his table props Yes, and landscape terrain built with no discernible talent or basic motor skills. Well, I have to say, as a player at the table, it it's good enough for me because <laughs> it looks very cool and adds to the game. So let Dan know what you think of of that and the table that we play at. But be sure to join us next time on Teachers in the Dungeon. Cult of Death. That doesn't sound. What can they be thinking to trust a group of clerics with a name like that? 
up today's session so thank you for listening to teachers in the dungeon we appreciate you and your feedback until the next time we see you in the dungeon we hope you roll high on those saving throws if you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure subscribe to the podcast have questions thoughts or ideas check the show notes for our website and our contact information This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.